0: filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have you're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the bs the more you learn the more power you have to affect the world around you this is the cut the crap podcast never read a book again and here's your host ryan calajuri What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where week after week, yours truly, Ryan Caligiuri, condenses business books down to their core golden nuggets so I can save you time from having to read it yourself. I'm back, baby. Back in the studio. I'm so happy to be back. And uh, while New York City did treat me well, as it always does, I love New York City, it's just good to be back here. You guys, this week we got a really, really good book. It's a classic book. Blue Ocean Strategy. I'm sure many of you guys have heard about it before. You might not have read it. You might be wondering, what is a Blue Ocean Strategy? What is all this talk about? You hear a lot of executives reference, we need to create blue oceans. We have a red ocean right now. What the hell are these guys talking about? Well, at the end of this summer, you guys are going to know exactly what we're talking about here. In the continual quest for sustainable growth, companies have traditionally focused on the competition, They have fought over the same customers, tried to improve on the same benefit, and hope to wring profits from a shrinking revenue stream. In Blue Ocean Strategy, Professors W. Chan Kim and Renee Maubourne argue that the key to success is to make the competition irrelevant. They offer a practical, tested, analytical framework that innovators in any sector, any industry, can use to create new, uncontested market space. In this Blue Ocean, organizations can take advantage of untapped demand and deliver powerful leaps in value, both for their customers and for themselves. Now, with big claims like that, can we believe this? Is it believable? Is this possible? Can you get this summary in? Can you understand what Blue Ocean Strategy is about and then go off and create an innovation? The answer to that is absolutely yes. What Blue Ocean Strategy is going to give you is it's going to give you perspective, It's going to help you understand certain needs in the marketplace, certain gaps that exist in the marketplace, certain benefits that you don't provide that your competitors do. It's going to give you what I like to call stimulus. And when you have this stimulus, it helps you make better, more informed decisions about what direction you want to take your business, about what direction you want to go when it comes to your product, your service, your offer in the marketplace. This book does a really good job of providing some stimulus for you that you can take forward and execute on. So I love this book. I took four golden nuggets away from this book. And for somebody who's actually executed on Blue Ocean Strategy multiple times, whether it's within an innovation project or within a strategic planning process, I've used them on both occasions. So I feel that when I read over the deconstruction of this book, this episode, I feel like I captured it all for you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's crack right into this one. Golden nugget number one. To grow, you need to create a blue ocean. Now, the market universe has two parts, red oceans and blue oceans. Red oceans are filled with competitors who are similar to you and you're all fighting over the same business. Like a shark-infested body of water, eventually, with all the infighting for food, the ocean turns blood red. Now, blue oceans, however, blue oceans are those areas where there is minimal competition. Blue ocean strategy is the simultaneous pursuit of differentiation And low cost to open up a new market space and create new demand. Now, in today's business world, creating blue oceans is more than an opportunity. Increasingly, it's becoming more and more important as competition becomes more fierce. Technology has boosted productivity so much that supply outstrips demand in many industries. Globalization, it's wiping out niche markets and monopolies. Developed countries, they're experiencing population declines. And the result of all these forces? Commoditization price wars, and shrinking margins. It's a tough world out there, and anybody who runs a business, anybody who's ever run a business, knows that this is reality. This is just the way the world has become, and you need to become better in order to compete. So how can companies compete? How can companies break out of the less and less profitable red oceans? The key is value innovation, a new strategic focus. So instead of trying to beat the competition, Value innovators make the competition irrelevant by opening up unchartered blue waters. Instead of making conventional trade-offs between value creation and low price, they pursue both of these goals simultaneously. In blue oceans, value is created by introducing benefits or standards unique in the industry. In cost savings, they result from eliminating traditional points of competition. Take, for example, Cirque du Soleil. If you don't know what Cirque du Soleil is, you have to check it out. It's just an amazing show. But Cirque du Soleil reinvented the concept of a circus. It offered a unique entertainment experience that combined thrills with drama, with artistry, while the competition focused on the animal shows. They focused on star performers. They focused on freak shows. Cirque du Soleil did away with all of those high-cost, low-margin elements and dramatically increased demand for its product. At the same time, it was able to charge the highest prices in the industry because audiences thought of its shows as more theater than it was circus. So now that you have an idea about what a red ocean is, what a blue ocean is, and what blue ocean strategy is about, and what we're trying to get at with executing on this strategy, the question is, how do you do that? We're gonna get into that in the next golden nugget, golden nugget. Number two, reconstruct market boundaries. Now the book suggests you need to look at what the market is doing and competing on and create a strategy that is vastly different than that of the rest of the marketplace. It suggests using the eliminate, reduce, raise, create framework to develop a strategy that will create uncontested market space. I love that word uncontested market space. So the eliminate, reduce, raise, create framework, it's very simple. If you want to create it, you can easily do that. Just grab a piece of paper and separate it into four different boxes. Now in each of the boxes, just number them one, two, three, and four in box. Number one, I want you to write a heading eliminate. Now in that box, I want you to list all the factors that the industry has long competed on, but should be eliminated. In the second box, I want you to write the heading raise. And in this box I want you to list all the factors that should be raised well above industry standards. In the third box I want you to list the heading reduce. And in this box I want you to list all the factors that should be reduced well below the industry standards and in the final box. Obviously you want to write number four and in here you want to write the heading create and in the create box, I want you to list all the factors that should be created that the industry has never offered yet. So why are you doing this? Why is this even important? Why am I telling you this? The reason this is important is because you need stimulus when it comes to innovation. Far too many people, they rack their brains. It's like a sponge. They just take their brain and they just wring it out as much as possible. And their brains aren't designed to come up with new innovations. It just doesn't work that way. So to help you create new ideas, you need stimulus. And what this does is it helps trigger in your mind different thoughts, different things that you might not have thought about before. Now, if you want to multiply that, incorporate more team members into this. Incorporate a team of five, six, seven, eight different people to help you in filling out this quadrant. Ask your peers, ask people in your organization, ask them about the eliminate, reduce, raise, create framework, hold an hour meeting and ask them questions. And by providing some different answers to this, some different insights, it's going to give you new ideas. It's going to put you onto different trains of thought that will help lead you into new directions that you wouldn't have been put on before if it wasn't for this tool. When it comes to innovation, you need stimulus. There is no question in my mind that you cannot create innovation without stimulus. Some people get stimulus from their customer insights. Some of them get it from competitors, from futurists, from people that are experts in their industry, from unrelated industries, from patent databases, wherever it comes from. This one's more about the marketplace, your competitors and your customers. So with this kind of stimulus, it's going to help you create new ideas. So I'm a big fan of reconstructing your market boundaries by using the Eliminate raise reduce create framework i've used it multiple times i know it works and i would highly recommend you give this a shot as well too if you're coming up with a new product a new service or a new offer definitely give this one a try golden nugget number three gaining clarity of direction through the strategy canvas now the strategy canvas is the bread and butter of the blue ocean strategy Now, the traditional strategic planning process, it's stuck in operational and tactical details that really leave companies stuck in red oceans when they're done. So to help you think about a bigger picture, innovators start with a strategy canvas. This planning tool helps organizations get a good understanding in terms of how they measure up to their competition. And there's four steps in drawing and discussing a strategy canvas. The first step to drawing a strategy canvas is to know who your competition is. This is essential to any strategic thinking process. Depending on the nature of your industry, you could identify individual competitors by name, or you might find it easier to cluster them into small numbers of groups. Now, when identifying competitors, it's always important to look at the problem from the customer's perspective. Who or what else could satisfy your customer's needs? Now, take for example, Southwest Airlines. If Southwest Airlines had not done this, they would simply have listed the other airlines out on their strategy canvas and not realizing that in many cases, customers are choosing between flying and other modes of transport. It's unlikely they would have had the insight that led them to their very successful strategy if they had not taken a more broader view. It's not just about competing with other airlines. It's about competing with transportation. So you have to think bigger. You have to think about it again from the customer's perspective. It's not just about flying. It's about train automobile walking whatever means of transportation there are that's still competition not just airlines the second step is to identify the factors that your customers value when choosing the product or service you're offering now in the southwest airlines example these things could include price meals lounges uh, seating choices etc etc now the simplest way to identify the factors of competition is to just get out and speak to your target customers When you do this though, it's important to speak to people who are already buying your product and service, people who buy this product and service, but buy it from your competitor and not from you. And finally, people who don't yet buy your product or service, but might buy it in the future. And don't forget that people don't always know what they want. So you might have to get a little creative in order to find out what it is they truly want. The third step in drawing your strategy canvas is to evaluate the competition. The third step is all about drawing the actual chart. So in this phase here, you already have your factors that you compete on. Again, using the Southwest Airlines example, we're listing on different factors such as price, such as meals, lounges, seating choices, etc. What I want you to do is I want you to write those factors on this sort of L chart on the x-axis. So write out all the factors on the x-axis. On the y-axis, the one that goes from top to bottom, that's just the offering level. So obviously it goes from very high to low. Now, as far as the value there, keep it fairly brief. It's just high to low, and you can sort of gauge what low is and what high is. Now, the third step essentially is going to ask you to graph this. So, for example, if you compare um, American Airlines, if you're Southwest Airlines and you're looking at American Airlines and you have price, well, American Airlines is, is, is quite expensive. So, as far as their offering level, maybe I'd say price isn't really competitive because it's not really cheap. It's quite expensive, and that's just the way it is. So, I would mark that a little bit lower. Um, when it comes to meals, oh well, you know what? Their meals are amazing. So you know what? As far as value level, that goes really high. So then I draw a line up there. And um, you know their customer service? Oh, their customer services—it's eh, kind of in the middle. It's bad. It's good. It's not really special. So you know what? I'm going to put that dot in the middle then under customer service. Um, what about um, what about options? Do they provide a lot of really good options? Oh, they're they're the best at options. Okay, then you know what? Then their value is high as well too. So now that you sort of start drawing those different dots, I want you to draw a line for each competitor or type of competitor showing how well they perform in terms of each of the factors that your customers value. This whole process, this strategy canvas is going to help you visualize how good you are in comparison to the rest of your competition. So now this takes us to the fourth step, which is chart your competitive differentiation. So the whole idea here is that you have a chart right now. You have a graph with, let's say, I don't know, 10 competitors. You have uh, an X axis that's filled with, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 to 20 different factors. And what you've done is you've charted the offering value of each of your competitors and you've drawn a different colored line. So you're looking at this line chart right now that shows how your competitors are stacking up in certain areas. So the objective of this stage is to chart a line which is substantially different to the lines of any of your competitive groups. That difference, that unique blend of competitive factor, is your competitive differentiation. This is what you're building towards. Now, when you create your first strategy canvas, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's going to require you to think. There is really an art to drawing a really useful strategy canvas. But with a little bit of practice, you can learn to draw really insightful diagrams. And when you do, these canvases, they're a great tool for communicating simple but powerful strategic ideas. I use this tool when it comes to strategic planning and I use this tool when it comes to creating new innovations. It's such a valuable tool that gives you a visual in terms of how you stack up against the competition. And it also gives you an opportunity to look at potential opportunities that might exist for you to capitalize on within the marketplace. And that right there, again, it's stimulus for you to start thinking about how you can start competing, where you should be competing, and where the potential opportunities are in the marketplace. Now last, but certainly not least, golden nugget number four, Increase communication quality to remove avoidable obstacles. Removing the obstacles to execution of Blue ocean strategy is necessary. To realize the full promise of innovation, it must be willingly and sincerely embraced by all members of the organization. Building execution into strategy from the start is important as a way to win people's trust and their cooperation. The success of this approach depends on fair process. And fair process is based on three E-principles. Engagement, explanation, and clarity of expectation. These principles are relevant at every organizational level from the shop floor to the C-suite. So what are these E-principles in more detail? Engagement. This is a means for management to communicate respect for an individual's idea and their opinions. It involves asking employees for their input and giving them opportunities to debate the merits of different ideas without making them feel stupid. That's an important piece there. When it comes to ideation, coming up with new ideas, that's a really hard thing to do and somebody has to become very vulnerable to put themselves out there. And you as a leader, I'm talking to you, you as a leader, you cannot make people feel stupid when they bring up a new idea. There are no stupid ideas. I don't care if you think that this idea is completely out of whack, I've been on innovation projects, innovation teams, where somebody came up with a perceived stupid idea. However, that stupid idea was a spark that provided stimulus for somebody else to take that and build on top of that. So I'll tell you right now, if you think there's stupid ideas out there, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Everybody has an idea and an idea can be built, can be shaped, can be transformed into something else that's more meaningful to the organization and more meaningful to the customer. The second E, explanation. The goal of explanation is to ensure that everyone affected by a strategic decision understands why it was made. With that understanding, employees can trust their managers' intentions even if they disagree with a specific change. And finally, expectation clarity. This requires management to state clearly what new standards employees must meet how they will be penalized for failure to meet those standards, and who will be responsible for what. The exact nature of the new policies matter less than making sure everyone understands them. Now, the motivational power of fair process, the three E's, is linked to intellectual and emotional recognition theory, which suggests that people seek to be recognized for their individual worth. When they believe that their intellectual value is appreciated, they're going to be more willing to share their knowledge and participate more openly. When they feel an emotional connection to the strategy, they are inspired to go beyond the call of duty in order to bring it to fruition. You got to have that to be successful. And I cannot understate the importance of this factor here. Do not forget about fair process, engagement, explanation, expectation, clarity. All right, my friends, there we have it. There's Blue Ocean Strategy for you, and I hope you guys enjoyed the analysis of this one. I enjoyed giving it to you guys. The book wasn't really all that fun to read. I'm not a big fan of books that use very complex language, and they try to make things sound more complex than they really have to be. Dumb it down for me. Dumb it down for me so it's easy to understand, so I don't have to sit there and read it twice, read it three times. I want to read it once and truly understand it. Now, like I said before, guys, I want to bring more value to you. That's why I have the interview, so I have a great interview. On Thursday with you guys, please, if you're going to listen to any interview, if you're going to listen to any podcast, you got to listen to Cut the Crap Podcast on Thursday. I'm not trying to oversell it to you guys here, but it's really cool because what we have here is somebody who is a true innovator in their space, the legal space. It's a very old space. There's not a lot of innovation there. The individual that I'm featuring on Thursday has created an innovation within the legal space that they are taking to the next level now. And they used the Blue Ocean Strategy to help them get there. So it's so exciting to be able to bring on Derek Hoffner. I can't wait to bring him on the podcast. So we can talk about his journey and talk a little bit about how Blue Ocean Strategy helped him get there. Super excited about that one. So please tune in on Thursday. You guys, also, don't forget, if you want the summary of this one, go to CutTheCrapPodcast.com and sign up for the summary. All I need is your first name, last name, and email address. And uh, I'll make sure that gets to you guys every single Monday. That is a wrap, my friends. Thank you once again for uh, being here with me. And thanks so much for putting up with me and uh, the sound quality while I was in New York City. It's good to be back in this studio. Happy to be back and uh, just happy to do this again for you guys. I love you guys so much. And it really means a lot to me when I had a lot of you reaching out to me when I was in New York City. So thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate that. Guys, I can't wait to get back here next week with a brand new business book and brand new golden nuggets. But don't forget about the interview on Thursday. It's gonna be a good one, you guys. Have a fantastic, productive week. I'll talk to you guys soon.
1: You know, everybody got the same story. We just got different details. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. Whatever you think riches is, that's your definition. There's a survey that says riches and success is being happy. Well, all you have to do then is determine what is it that makes you happy and start down that path. Now, to find true success, I believe that you've got to do some work because it's not free. Everybody would love to wake up and just be happy and bubbly, but it requires some work. You know, for a long time, I used to think that the path to success was going at it alone because I was always busy priding myself on not asking for help. I was homeless, I didn't want to ask for help. I lived in a car, I didn't want to ask for help. And I almost missed out. I didn't realize how many people were willing to have discussions with me about success. You know, most people that are successful, if you ask them for help, they'll give it to you. I'm talking about advice principles, solutions, not money. Success is all about building relationships. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Some people might not step up when you ask them for help. They might not, but guess what? The worst thing can happen to you. If if somebody refuses you, you didn't have it anyway. What are you worrying about that for? Well, they might say no, or they might turn me down. Ask people. You never know. Suppose they say yes. That could be the turning factor. But you know, there are some principles that will increase your chances of getting a success. Know your worth. Don't let nobody else determine it. And don't assume anything. People aren't mind readers. They don't know what you're thinking. Don't assume they know unless you ask with specifics. And then. Recognize that no is not a rejection. Every time you hear no, it moves you one step closer to a yes.